Utah already has done something better in the Big 12 than all of the other teams. What is it? We're discussing on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On YouTube your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcasts. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you like and subscribe. Love interacting with all of you in the YouTube comments as well as on social media where you can follow our show at Locked On Utes. Today's episode of Locked On Utes is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is JT Wistoso, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Excited to be joined on today's show by Nathan Roderick of UteZone.com. And Nathan, when talking about what Utah does better than everyone else in the Big 12, it is the transfer portal right now. Utah currently has an extremely high ranking in the transfer portal. In fact, in overall average ranking in terms of the players that they have brought in they're tied for 20th in all of college football that's the best in the big 12 and it's also they're just overall for a transfer uh without just their overall transfer ranking is in 29th currently but either way both those marks tops in the big 12 i think it shows you the high level that utah has done a good job bringing in experienced players and look as much as recruiting is very important to the future of college football and everything but with the way the transfer portal works, you can win right now. So I am very excited that this roster that is already loaded with players who have won Pac-12 championships has also done a better job than everyone else in the Big 12 to this point of bringing in talent and players who are ready to win right now as Utah tries to go for it and win the Big 12 title in 2024. Right. I think the biggest thing that the that coaches were looking for in this transfer portal process were quality of players that can play right away. Uh, Utah recruiting does a great job of identifying talent in the high school level to build de- depth. And obviously Utah didn't have the season they wanted to this last mm-hmm. year and they have a lot of things to improve on, but, you know, finding guys with experience and talent from other schools just to fill some empty spots on their immediate two deep will really mm-hmm. help this team in the future. Yeah, and that's absolutely what they did. Whether you're, you mentioned the future, right? Like we talked about this Utah class, they really do have both the future and present. When you're talking about a guy like a Gilman, he's going to be a starter right away uh, or have a chance to be a starter. But anyway, he should play. I mean, at worst, he should be Utah's third best safety when he steps on. Anthony Woods, a guy like that coming off a thousand yard season, shout out Big Sky, is going to play right away. He's going to be one of Utah's top three running backs. And we saw last year all three running backs play for Utah. Carson Ryan, we know he's going to contribute. A guy like Keenan Johnson, that's a guy who steps in right away, veteran experience, opportunity to play on the outside instantly. But you also get a guy like a Canais Vaughn when you're looking at John Henry Daly. Both guys did a chance to compete right away, sure, but Utah's also pretty good at the end. They might not. And really, guys like a, a Tayshawn Lyons as well as a Cameron Calhoun, chance to play right away, sure, but definitely future ads. And I should have mentioned for uh, probably like the most immediate ad is a Dorian Singer, who should be this team's top receiving in terms of receivers. Brant Keithy may still lead this team in yards, depending on the level he can return to off his injury. But Singer is more the win now uh, guy, too, in terms of the receiver on the outside making plays. So I love that Utah's brought in both of these guys. I just rattled off a lot of names there. I think Singer is the one that gets me the most excited just in terms of like, 
I saw how bad this offense looked without a number one receiver. And yes, there was no cam rising in and all those things are true. But when Devon Vele was humming late in the season for Utah, this offense, even with Bryson at the helm and some other things, an offensive line that played lower than what the standard had been the prior two years was still effective. Nearly went into Washington's house and, and won and also had some other big time games and performances too. So that's where Singer is the one that gets me the most excited because you need guys who are difference makers on the outside. And he is absolutely that. But outside of him, who are a couple of these other guys that really popped you, Nathan? Yeah, I think Singer is definitely the one that's, you know, the most eye-popping because he fills an immediate need, um, mm-hmm. you know, that Devon Bailey left this offense. And Utah's been looking for that number one receiver, it seems like, for a very long time. And so I think he will be able to play right away and make a big impact. Um, the guy that I'm looking forward to the most would be Carson Ryan coming from UCLA. He was one of the highest graded mm-hmm. uh, tight ends, according to PFF, in this last year. And... Carson Ryan is a, is a big frame and he can block, you know, 6'4", 255. I kind of like to think of him as a combo in between like a Don Kincaid as well as like a Cole Fotheringham. I think yeah. Kincaid would be more athletic. Um, mm-hmm. I think he provides great blocking like Fotheringham was, you know, mm-hmm. back in 2021. And so looking forward to Carson Ryan and what he brings. He's a, obviously a local kid who, you know, went to UCLA for a few years, then saw the light and came back home. Mm-hmm. Um so really looking forward to what he brings, you know, in the pass game as well as the run game, because uh, to be frank, the tight ends weren't great at blocking last year. There's a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. That's true. Teams, and uh, maybe that's because Bryson was there and Campion helped him out. But Carson Ryan will provide a lot of stability and allow guys like Landon King and Brant Keithy to um, excel as well. Well, and this is where the, tr- the truth just has to come into play. Like Mickey Sugaturaga was a defensive end who you then moved to be a tight end. There, that's a big transition. There's going to be some growing pain. And there definitely was. There was a lack of comfort. There was confusion at times with him. That was his biggest issue. Just even like the technique and everything that goes into being an effective blocker wasn't all there. Then you look right. at a Landon King, simply not strong enough. As a pass catcher, gives you everything you want. But just simply didn't have the size and the strength right away. And that's not an opinion by that is only shared by me. Kyle Whittingham has straight up said that before about Landon King, about wanting to see more of him as a blocker. And that's something I still thought he did better as the year went on, but it's also just a fact that he's not as strong as even a Super Drago was. And that's what's nice about having a guy like Carson Ryan, who has been doing this his, his entire collegiate career too. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Ryan. Got to imagine he's excited to be playing with a guy like Cam Rising rather than a, a Dante Moore and just kind of what that whole situation was at UCLA last year. That was a, that was a rough it was a rough go. But um, yeah, Ryan's a, a great one that I think you get really excited about too. And uh, I really think between Ryan, Keithy, and King, I've said it numerous times. I mean, that I really is, it probably is. I know I'm locked on you tonight. It's probably the best tight end room in the country. I just don't know where you have three guys like that. I mean, even the one-two punch of just Keithy, if he can get returned to form, he should be. He could very well be the best tight end in college football if we get that version of him back. Ryan is one of also the best best tight ends. He's easily a top fifteen guy, so that's your number two to three. And then King, as we mentioned, is already a potent pass catcher. So you're going to see a lot of three tight end sets from Utah, and that's something that really excites me as well. Uh, we both went with offensive guys. I think if you're looking at a defensive guy, that's going to be a different maker for um, Utah. I think all these guys have a chance, but I really like Gilman's game. He's an athletic safety from Stanford. I think he does a really good job in the secondary, good speed, good instincts to break up passes. I think he's the one that I look forward to making an impact too. But Johnson, I think, could do some nice things as well. Nathan, who on the defensive side really excites you? Yeah, so Keenan Johnson brings some good experience from Georgia mm-hmm. Tech. Um, he's a little smaller. He's uh, so 6'1". So he's kind of on the, on the tweener side there, not as tall as maybe you'd like, but yeah. – um, 
I think he's a great athlete and provides great mm-hmm. experience. You know, he's rated 89 out of the transfer portal as a grad transfer. So he's from Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to see him because of his experience that he brings to the defensive backfield. There's lots of young talent there. Um, and I think he provides a lot of great experience. I'm also really excited to see the corner from Michigan uh, by the name of Cameron Calhoun. He's in the same class as, you know, CJ Blocker and Smith Snowden, and mm-hmm. it was a four-star coming out. And uh, another great athlete, you know, he sat behind some great corners there at uh, Michigan that we saw in the national championship game. So yes. I can understand why he was on his way out and mm-hmm. wants a more, better chance of playing time. So, you know, I see Miles Battle leaving and Travis Bronson uh, transferring out. I think mm-hmm. there's a great spot to uh, for Keenan Johnson as well as Cameron Calhoun to come in and make an immediate impact. Yeah, I'm excited to see those guys as well. It's going to be fun to watch the battles that play out in fall camp and our spring camp and fall camp, honestly. So uh, interesting to keep an eye on all of those. So a lot of things that Utah did add in the transfer portal. So far, yet to add an offensive lineman. I think that's interesting, and I think it's definitely worth discussing. I want to dive into that on our next topic momentarily. But first, I want to talk to all of, all of you about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Conference championship weekend across the NFL is here. We have two big-time games, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use that there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, and you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. So you can visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Nathan, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but I'm throwing you on the spot a little bit. I got the FanDuel lines up right now. Ravens, or Chiefs at Ravens, Ravens favored by three and a half. Where are you leaning there as of this recording on Monday night? Yeah, the script is in for Taylor Swift and the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Quick and to the point, and you brought up Taylor Swift, which the NFL yep. will always appreciate. Uh, second game, you got the 49ers favored by a touchdown. How about that with the Lions traveling out to see them? Where are you feeling there? So I think the uh, the Lions cover the spread, but the 49ers get it done. Oh, I like it. There's going to be some fun games this week. Make sure you guys head over to FanDuel and make your picks today. All right, Nathan. Utah made a lot of moves in the offensive line. Multiple defensive ends. You have multiple players added through the secondary. You had guys all over the place, whether that be receivers to come in. You added a running back. You even got a tight end. When we went into the transfer portal, I said the number one thing Utah had to do was add, after Vele left, which I wasn't sure if he would at first. Once he left, it's like, okay, you need to find your wide receiver one. They've done that. Outside of that, Utah's done a good job. And then the secondary, I guess, once you saw all the guys leave the secondary, that became the other biggest need. But to me, the third need, and a big need still, was always just bringing in some other offensive linemen to me because you're going to, you lose your two best offensive linemen, in my opinion. Satal Almey is leading the right side. He's been a staple for all three of these Pac 12 championships, uh, or all, excuse me, all two of the Pac 12 championships. And then in last year's season, two did a lot of good things. Keaton Bills, same thing. And both those guys are gone. And now you have Spencer Fano, Michael Mokafisi, Coley's back, and Johnny Maya is still in the mix, I assume, to be the center. And then also, maybe one of those guys plays guard if that's your best thing. Jaron Kump started some games for this team, too. We saw Falcon Kalmatule in a limited role. And a lot of those guys, and especially going back to the starters, the Fano, Mokafisi, and Coley, all did good things in our positive. And I expect all three of them to be starters. But in my opinion, based on how they played last year, 
I don't think any of those guys should be given those jobs. I think they should have to earn them. I think all of them had their individual struggles at times. And that's why I wanted to see Utah bring in some more offensive linemen to compete for those jobs. Now, whether it was, we didn't even, I don't remember even hearing rumors about Utah really offering anyone. I could be off on that. Maybe they did make some push for some offensive linemen. And to give Utah credit, I will say they added Isaiah Garcia. What he did on the blind side at a corner canyon this past season, tremendous. I think he was a chance he could be a day one starter. But I still just don't love freshmen starting, true freshmen starting on your offensive line, a la Spencer Fano. Did some nice things, also had some rough moments. He's a true freshman, and strength is so big on the offensive line. It's so hard to play right away as a freshman. We saw Clark Phillips shine on the outside because that's speed, quickness, and reaction. Things that you get better at, but like you can still have that compete early on. It's harder to be stronger than someone who's been in a collegiate weight program for multiple years when you have only been on that for maybe a couple months like Fano had. And even he made a transformation physically, like credit him for buying in, but he's not going to be at that level with that given time. So once again, summarize this all up. I was surprised that Utah did not add an offensive lineman through the transfer portal. I think they should have. Maybe they still will after fall camp. They must feel set with the guys they have inside the room. Feels like that is the answer. How do you read this entire situation? Yeah, I mean, I think I was a little surprised that there wasn't anything at all mm-hmm. you know, coming from the transfer portal. However, what this tells me is that Utah looked at their offensive line room and said that they trust their young guys. Mm-hmm. and They trust that they have a quarterback in Cameron Rising that's going to come in. And Cameron is someone that can, you know, point out all the blitzes and make the good yep. calls. Something True. that no – not many people can do um, on many offensive lines across the country. It's, it could be a center that's you know, calling out protection and blitz and that kind of stuff. Well, that's what cam does on the Utah mm-hmm. offense. Yeah. And back in 2021, Charlie Brewer didn't learn the offense quick enough and mm-hmm. all the protections and everything. And Utah lost against BYU and San Diego state because of that, because it was so confusing and the offensive lines looked mm-hmm. so bad entering cam rising in the second half of that San Diego state game, you thought mm-hmm. it was five different offensive linemen in there, but no, it wasn't. It was just someone that knew what he was doing. I see. So I mm-hmm. think they trust that cam can be the guy to help those young guys. And from my point of view, I was disappointed by the offensive linemen this year. However, I can understand where a lot of the confusion came from just because of the you know, lack of a pass game. You had eight guys in the box most games, yep. blitzing just teeing off of you. And that makes your job that much harder. And I think there's a lot of growth that can happen in this room. You mentioned Fano uh, needs to grow up a little mm-hmm. bit and, and get stronger, which I agree with. Um, had some mental mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. I think Michael Mokofisi had some moments yep. that, you know, he'd want back and some bad penalties, for example. But I think the guy to look out for would be Caleb Lomu and this mm-hmm. offensive line room. And he is someone that the staff really believes in. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Whittingham already called him a star. Uh, he registered last year, and mm-hmm. I think he's the guy that can step up and make an immediate impact. But the biggest thing that gives me confidence for next year would be the return of Cam Rising. That's a great point when you're talking about having that guy in at quarterback and the difference he can make. And I love that you brought up Charlie Brewer and all the issues that lie there. You taught a ton of issues in blitz pickup and – you're right. That doesn't just go on the offensive line. That is on the quarterback of getting them set, having the protection, which way you want to slide it and how you have everything taken care of. And, you know, they 
Also had to deal with Nate Johnson's style of that and Bryson Barnes' style, even Batari's style of that for the right. bottom game. So there was a lot going on. I think that's a really a good point there, too. And once again, also love that you brought up Caleb Lomo. I think that's a guy I'm very high on. And also, I think it's, like I said, fair to mention, like, just because Spencer Votto played and he didn't, I don't feel like that's a negative on Coley, or not Coley, excuse me, Caleb. Like, that is, once again, very, very difficult to do as a true freshman. It's a huge right. credit to Spencer that he was able to do that. Also, in some ways, an indictment on the other offensive tackles who've been in the system for a few years that they weren't able to beat out a true freshman, but albeit that true freshman has a higher ceiling as he was a four-star than some of those other guys too. But, yeah, Jim Harding has always had this offensive line ready and done a good job. Once again, I thought last year was a little bit of a disappointment, but there are those other factors. You also highlighted how many guys were in the box. I think that is absolutely true. And I'm excited to see some of the growth and development of the young guys. See Spencer Fano, who I do think, I think he's going to take a big leap in year two. I just think that whole year playing of comfort will uh, do a big thing too. And I, once again, the point you made too about cam rising, like making the offensive line better, the game against the game I go back to is the Penn State game. Utah was only in that game in the first half because Cam Rising was making plays, whether it be in the passing game or especially evading pressure and then finding ways to run around and get first downs too. So that is something that's going to be very interesting to see. I love that you brought up Caleb. So right now, just our way too early uh, spring ball preview. Let's let's list off who we think the starting offensive line will become spring ball. I think Fano will still be over there at the left tackle spot. I think you are going to put him and the freshman guys together. I know that – Jaron Kump has the experience, but I agree with you. I think Caleb Lomu's done enough. I think he's going to be the guy there. I'll give Coley the slight nod at center. Mocha Fisi right now, too. And, you know, when I look at right tackle, that'll be a very interesting situation to see. I don't think Garcia is better quite yet. So I am going to go with – oh, Nathan, I'm so mad at myself. I just blanked out his name. Who was the guy that rotated in with Spencer last year? I said his name a bunch on the what, yep, thank you. And then I think he'll be the right tackle right now. I'm curious if that will stay the same, but I do think that will be the starters as we kind of go over the course of spring ball. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's possible that those tackles flip and you see yeah. to the other side. Like we uh, did in the bowl game, to your point. Right. So I, I think he was comfortable there at the left tackle spot. Um, but I definitely agree with the interior guys. It's possible that, that I Garcia does make an immediate impact and is mm-hmm. pushing some of those guys for, for some time as well, uh, depending on how quickly he can adapt to the system, how strong he is. Um, but I think you're right on par there. The only thing I could would maybe change is the just switching the tackles. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean Johnny May, it felt like he was going to be the starting center, right? That's where that battle is going to be really interesting. And I'm also curious to see, like, just one of those guys maybe keep Lomu on the bench or Lomu to tackle, or does one of those guys move Mocha Fisi back as well? And a lot of fun answer, things to be answered there for uh, for Jim Harding and this group up front. I'm curious to see how all of that will play out along the Utah offensive line. But the O-block in good hands with Coach Harding and some other quality players just in that room, we feel like that still did good things last season, just – it wasn't one of the best offensive lines in college football, which I felt like the prior two years, Utah was in the running for one of the 10 to 15 best. Last year, not the case. But a, lot, a couple guys coming back. We'll see how they look this coming season. But So that's going to do it for our football talk. Before we get out of here, though, have to talk about the Utah women's basketball team. I mean, what a past couple of days that they have been having, Nathan. I'm excited to dive into them and what they have been doing this monster weekend against both California schools in one moment. But first, I want to talk to all of you about our one of the sponsors of today's episode of Locked On Utes. It's our friends at UCCU. Learn and earn the UCCU mobile banking app that pays your entire family to learn about money. Kids look to parents to become more financially literate. 
parents don't always know the answers. Learn and Earn breaks down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quiz and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can occur and can be redeemed for gift cards, stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and more. There's age-appropriate content for every member of the family. You can compete against each other and track their progress on leaderboards. Learn and Earn is inside the UCC mobile banking app, so you can play it anytime, anywhere. The more you play, the more you learn, and the more you learn, the more you earn. Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together. UCCU, love where you bank. All right, Nathan, coming in to close this one out, what a weekend for the Utah women's basketball team once again. First, and then once, and going in this weekend, this Utah women's basketball team that's had a couple losses on the season, and obviously they lost Gianna Neepkins for the season. So we knew it was going to be tougher for them to compete in what is the best conference in women's college basketball of the Pac-12 year in and year out. You have two top 10 teams coming to Salt Lake City. And how did Utah do? They defeat both of them. First, they demolished the Trojans, 78-58. to 58. Alyssa Peely with 37, 13 of 16 from the field, 5 of 6 from 3, and 6 of 8 from the free throw line. I said to you this before we recorded. If it wasn't for Caitlin Clark, who's so dang good, I think Alyssa Peely would have even more love to be one to be National Player of the Year. It feels like right now she's just working on, like, you know, some of those Heisman seasons where it's like, man, that guy had such a good Heisman year. It's going to be so nice when he's sitting up there. I'm just so happy to see him at the ceremony because that's what it feels like right now because Caitlin Dane Clark. But anyways, hats off to Alyssa Peely. And then in Utah's win, they just got here tonight as we're recording this on Monday night, 94-81, to they beat the Bruins. The second-ranked team in the country comes into Salt Lake City and goes down. McQueen led the team with 21 points. Peely with 16. How about Deja Young, who's always made for these big games, dropping 16. Even off the bench, you get Weeki adding 16 points to, or excuse me, Madison Wilkie adding 16 points to. Um, just so many stuff where you're just like tremendous stuff. All the credit in the world to Lynn Roberts. What are your takeaways from this monster weekend in Utah women's basketball? Yeah, I think what stands out to me the most is that. Um, in all the losses that Utah has had this year, it's been against ranked opponents and they finally mm-hmm. got over the hump this weekend. Um, obviously they beat a lot of good teams last year, but they still hadn't beaten a ranked opponent up to this point um, this year. And so um, they did it in a, <laughs> in a big fashion this weekend, you know, beating USC, you know, yeah. and that game wasn't even close. So uh, nope. went out for 37 points and, you know, her shooting splits were ridiculous that game, you know, shooting five for six from three. Um, but what was important tonight is that they didn't need her to, you know, shoot 80% from three to, to win tonight. And, you know, she contributed 16 points and had an off shooting night, but she was able to rely on her teammates to, to help, you know, get a big win over the number two team in the nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really just a tremendous night for the Utah women's basketball team. First weekend. I mean, I look, I don't have the numbers up yet for it. I got to imagine it's the first time that Utah has ever beaten back to back top, uh, 10 ranked opponents in the same weekend. I mean, you do it over the course of the season. Of course it's happened for Utah with the recent success they've had, but to do it in both this way is fantastic. And I think this is the reminder too. like I said, it's going to be incredibly hard for this team to make a final four run or do anything like make it to the championship game, all that without Shannon. She's just that good of a player that losing her drastically hinders your chances to do that. But I do believe it's a team that can still get hot, win the Pac-12. I believe this is a team that can get hot and win some games in March Madness, maybe even upset some teams, make it to the Elite Eight. As I said, it's hard for me to go Final Four, but also you've seen teams before where they lose a player and you have other pieces step up, make plays, contribute. And how can you not be high on this Utah women's basketball team after this type of a weekend, Nathan? Right. So the the biggest thing for me moving forward is that 
Alicia Peely is one of the best players in the nation, and there's not many yep. teams that have a player that's better than her. And that gives me confidence that Utah will be in any game against any opponent. I think you're absolutely right. Whenever you have the best player on the floor, you got a shot. It's why year in and year out, we saw some of these LeBron teams make the NBA Finals, and yep. we're always like, ah, they got LeBron. They got a shot. Patrick Mahomes, what he's doing with the Chiefs right now, where it's like, ah, the receivers aren't the same level. I, I just don't know. The offensive line, the tackles, we're giving up some penalties and false starting like crazy. But it's Patrick Mahomes. And it was and the coaching, Andy Reid as well. And I'm look, Andy Reid's a Super Bowl winner. I know Lynn Roberts hasn't done that yet, but she's won a Pac-12 regular season. And the job she's just done turning around Utah women's basketball in general, it, it's just tremendous. So you have to still, you can't count this team out. You got to respect them, the level of players, the coaching they have. It's all tremendous. And it's gonna be fun to monitor them the rest of the season. But just these monster top 10 wins that were so fun to watch them take care of business. Uh, tonight, Nathan, and it's going to be exciting to see what they can do the rest of the season. There's a lot going on in the world of Utah athletics. Where should people head over to if they want to catch up on everything? Yeah, definitely go over to Ute Zone. Um, Steve Bartle and his team um, will always keep you up to date with breaking news, whether that be through recruiting, uh, a transfer portal, and uh, things that might have slowed down. You know, with school starting and the transfer portal closing, but there's been lots of coaching changes throughout the nation that has opened up the portal, um, and so be on the lookout for some. Maybe some Washington kids, some Arizona kids, um, head over to Ute Zone and, and Steve will you know, keep you up to date with everything you need to. Nathan, thank you for joining us. Perfect. Thanks. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Ute. But we look forward to having you join us tomorrow as we talk more things Utah football and Utah athletics. We'll see you then.